Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, It's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you and also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult and, and I just wanna find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Jan Turkelson. Jan is the co-director and uh, co-host of the podcast called People Leaders. Welcome to the podcast, Jan. Thank you, Jono. Great to be here. Tell us all, I guess, to start off, Jan, it's great to have you here. Tell us all a bit about um, yourself and about uh, People Leaders and about the podcast. Okay. Well, when you introduced me, you said, you know, the co-director and co-podcast host. And the reason why it's co is because I'm in business with my twin sister, Michelle, and which is a wonderful opportunity for us to work together because we're very similar, but also very different in some of our outlook, which makes um, a great team. And we decided a couple of years ago, I think it's about seven or eight years ago now, that we would create our own business because we were independent consultants working, you know, for, you know, about 18 years, I think, uh, in different industries, doing leadership programs, training, consulting, coaching. And we decided that we wanted to create something a little bit different. And we, yeah, formed our own business. And then part of that was doing the podcast, which we absolutely love because we get to speak to people from all around the world about the topics that our people are interested in hearing, but also we learn as well. And um, that's one of the things that really excite us. So we um, create leadership programs for uh, businesses and a lot of them it's interesting you know like most people want programs that are very bespoke and particular to them but what we've found over the years that there are central themes that really kind of you know move through each organization and some of those themes are and we've boiled it down I think to you know like four main areas that when organizations get these things right most things um, work really well and did I hear you ask what they are Jono? <laughs> <laughs> I was holding back I was holding back I literally thought that but I'll, I'll let I'll let Jen finish but please tell us of, of, of course like it really it's kind of like just the four I think you know fundamentals of you know how to create a great organization or team or a, a coordinated group and the, the four areas are goals so do you have a really clear vision or direction going forward like where am i headed so i think that's a really important thing you know your, your direction the second one is clarity role clarity because people want to know where they fit in and what's expected of them and we find that when people have role clarity, there's less ambiguity, there's less anxiousness, they're just clearer and everyone loves clarity. 
And so the third one are processes. When people have um, some really good, robust processes in place, it just helps them do the work that they need to do in order to get where they need to get. And then the fourth is fundamental are relationships. You know, when you've got trusted relationships where I know that I feel safe to say that I um, don't know, that say that, you know, I made a mistake and I can totally be myself, like I don't have to really mask anything, that's when, you know, I find you have the most robust organisations and when leaders really understand those fundamentals and live it, that's when I find, you know, there's a real synergy of leadership that happens, meaning like everyone I think has a desire to lead themselves and as a leader, if we can either teach the fundamentals of leadership, you can really create that, I don't know, that egalitarian structure. And because everyone wants to rise to their own natural of self-leadership rather than kind of like being told what to do. Um, so instead of, you know, following, we have like that coordinated um, way of operating and I know it sounds very you know nirvana-ish <laughs> but I have seen organizations <laughs> and teams teams do it you know like if this is the job that needs to be done who is the right person who has the capacity who has the availability mm. can we be open and transparent about it and it takes a bit of trust to do that yeah. Um, but yeah when it works man it's just so much fun you know, to work like that. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, I think it's a, uh, it's honestly one of the highlights of life to be part of an organization and team that runs like that. And I always mm. love saying to leaders, you know, it's one, it, it's important to do that because it's right. And yes, it's enjoyable. But the, the really cool thing about what you do with teams and, and organizations is there are people in these teams and organizations who may never in their life up to this point have experienced this level of health in relationships and the things you mentioned. And to think that even, even past family, like even to think that there are people who may have had a pretty dysfunctional family may have worked in some pretty dysfunctional places. I think for me, that's what makes it particularly special when you can create teams that do healthy conflict. Like you said, that people can really own up to their mistakes and their weaknesses and feel comfortable mm. doing that, saying what mm. they don't know. For some people, that's the first time they'll ever experience that. And that just, yeah, that really blows my mind when you think of it uh, from that mm. perspective. Oh, yeah, I've got goosebumps. Cause you know, and that's what I love about teaching and sharing is that what's what makes it really meaningful is that it just isn't one dimensional it's not just at work and in this situational scenario you know when you really understand those fundamentals of you know leadership and communication you can it actually imbues everything that you do you know mm. at home at work in your relationships the way in which you bring up your children you know even you know my children now are um uh, you know, 25 and 26. And, you know, we've often talked about 
family values and what values do we actually want to agree to you know like and it's and instead of you know like team agreements we had family agreements mm-hmm. and part of the conversation was you know like what do we want to agree to you know what kind of and we didn't use the word culture because that wasn't part of their understanding but yeah. it was like how do we actually want to operate around here and you know we would write it down and just the the next part was so okay now that we've agreed that we want to have fun we want um a house that's clean (laughs) um (laughs) we want to be able to um we want to be kind um and there are a couple of other things that we agreed to the second part is okay so now we've agreed that this is how we want to operate how do we hold each other to account not just pointing the finger and saying you not doing this but how do we hold ourselves and each other to account and i think that's where the richness comes in you know to have Mm. to have that ability to have the conversation without you know finger pointing and making someone wrong when you get off track because that's what happens we're human beings we're going to get off track and we're going to get on track and i think the sooner we can get back on track that's great and healthy but you know that's just what makes us human when we get off track (laughs) yeah i know i love what you mentioned there about family i think um you know, that's something that uh, that my wife, uh, Liz, and I have talked about before is having some uh, having some sort of values. And and uh, for us, I love I love Patrick Lencioni's uh, work. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so I've applied some of that and you do have to look at it differently. He actually has a book where he applies it to the family, which is really interesting, uh, mm. which is mm, mm. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's really cool how the principles go beyond a team, go beyond an organization, and you can apply it um, elsewhere. And for us, I know that there was just, you know, there were just some things that we said, these are going to be some filters for decisions that we make, which is like what you just said uh, said there. And just some, some ideas that as you wrestle with these things, you come up with some of these phrases that you go, yeah, actually, that really nails it. That's how we want to live. And it's, yeah, it's incredibly powerful. So you definitely can take some of these ideas in teams and organizations and take the principles and tweak it like how you did without using the word culture. You just, you know, you just make it work in in your family. I I love that idea. Mm. Well, that's what just makes it real and meaningful. And, you know, when Michelle and I um, teach some of these principles on, on leadership, we always refer to family and relationships because we want people to really, um, I don't know, own the information and to see mm. where they can apply it to every area in their life. Like we use a lot of psychometric tools, you know, like Myers-Briggs and 360 feedback and things like that. And when we yeah. can, when they can start to see the connection, like even simple things around introversion and extroversion, you know, mm-hmm. 50% of the population ha- have this tendency for introversion, even though it doesn't sound like that because extroverts are, you know, usually louder and um, they you know, speak more often and interrupt, etc. When people understand why people operate the way they do, instead of judging them and making them wrong, they go, oh, that's just the way they operate. So, for example, you know, there's always someone in the meeting who, um, you know, keeps on talking and repeating themselves and they think, well, haven't they already said that? But what's happening is they're actually coming to a conclusion about their thought process and we're actually hearing their thought process, and that's what extroverts do. They extrovert their thinking. Mm. 
Whereas people with introversion, they actually think about it beforehand inside their head and then they actually articulate it if they're invited to. And so when we understand that, oh, this person isn't just trying to take over, they're just trying to clarify, this sense of being non-judgmental and being a little bit more accepting, it doesn't necessarily um, make it a way of always operating, but you're just a little bit, I don't know, understanding of differences and, and diversity mm-hmm. when you understand how people operate. And, and I think, you know, if I was going to boil leadership down to two areas, it mm. would be know thyself and understand mm-hmm. the impact that you're having on others. <laughs> and, yeah, I like that. And, and when, you, when you operate from that, it... And they're big, I know they're big, chunky, um, you know, pieces of work, but the most impactful leaders that I have seen and worked with and operated with is they understand themselves. Like they really work on themselves. And part of that is understanding how you are impacting others, you know, in in your communication Mm -hmm. or your demeanour or the way in which you, um, you know, walk into a room. You know, they understand that as a leader, you are a role model. People are looking at your behavior and making meaning out of that. Mm. Yeah, it's so, it's, it's so true. Um, And I think the encouragement for leaders of people in your organizations as well is when you do an assessment, like what, you know, you've just described there, Jan, some of the things that you, you do, you can facilitate your people, helping your people understand themselves better. And therefore, so when you, Mm. like, that's one of the richest things you can bring to people in your organization is ask, what could I do, whether you do it yourself internally or bring someone else in, what could I do to help my people understand themselves better and understand each other better? Mm. And so much Mm. of, I don't know about you, but I find so much of my work ends up being in those areas because if you can, if you can get 10% improvement in those areas, it's like all these other symptoms, all these other issues that are boiling, um, they get a bit better <laughs> because it affects everything. Oh, yeah. It affects absolutely everything. Because like when you know yourself, you know when to push and pull back and ask for support and you know that you're being triggered and when you're triggered, you're going to be a little bit more sensitive or, um, I don't know, um, cynical and all those kind of things. So understanding oneself is absolutely the, the basis of any program that we, we ever do. The first one is know thyself. That, that's our kind of like module one in any leadership program. Mm. And it's always the one that most people get the most you know, from. And that's why we <laughs> always start with it because it is, it's, it's foundational. And then you know, the, the part about the impact You know, you understand the impact by observation and reflection and and feedback. It's like I'm going to ask for feedback and, you know, when you can ask for feedback, depending on a number of ways that you can ask for feedback and can be formal, informal, third party, but just be open to receiving information Mm. I think is a really healthy um, way of operating and, and so what we do with teams sometimes is because we get a lot of um, 
you know, feedback from teams saying, you know, like we're always attending meetings and, you know, they're not as productive as what we'd like them to be. And, you know, the question, you know, coaching question is, okay, so what would that look like if they were? And what would it take, etc. And then have a go at just changing one thing. Because if you change one thing, it actually changes everything in a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you just keep yeah. on changing, even if it's like a 5% shift, a 5% shift will change the trajectory of that thing that, you know, you, you want to see um, a result in. And, and I think just sometimes if we just um, be mindful that it all starts with us, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I want the team to be this and I want that to happen. It's like, okay, so let's bring the fingers back to us and let's make sure that we are operating at, at that level of integrity. Because, you know, Jono, when you see someone who operates with full integrity, there's just, I don't know, there's just a power about them. Do you know what I mean? Like there is such um, a sense of honour and, I don't know, integrity. And and when we just think of integrity as far as structural, it's like it can't be blown over. You know what I mean? It's really strong (laughs) and confident. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, I I love that um, picture. Well, I want to ask you, Jen, about – I want to – ask you about you a little bit in and as a starting point I want you to think back to your childhood and when you were growing up and I'm interested to know what moments from that season of your life or themes have really shaped you becoming the person and the leader you are today oh wow okay so thinking back I grew up in the inner city in a place called Woolmaloo in Sydney and I had a twin sister and we lived in a housing commission. So the streets um, were all terrace houses and everyone knew everyone in the street. So it was a very communal, um, very, I don't know, active uh, community. And we would, of I think of every Saturday morning, we would um, practice Um, doing, I don't know, concerts and that. And then we would go to old people's homes and and things like that. And so I remember thinking I love the practice of it because, you know, I get to hang out with my friends, I learn something new, and then we actually perform. And there was this sense of doing service but also having fun. And so that was one thing I think that um, really impacted the way in which I operate today. And also the way in which my parents operated, like our house was always open to everyone. You know, like there'd often be, you know, all the kids, you know, sitting around the dining room table having a, a chat and things like that. And so our fam, our door was always open. And, and I think that really impacted that we were, um, it was, there, was, there was no secrets in a way in our family because um, you just couldn't. <laughs> There's always <laughs> someone in and about and things like that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, those those are two that that come come to mind. Yeah. Straight yeah. Uh, I love it. No, it's great. Um, speaking of uh, your parents, are there any um, are there any moments that you remember with how they handled particular situations or? That, that have really been imprinted on your memory and, and, and once again, 
things that you've learned um, and used today? Anything that you remember from that stage of life about them? Um, I always, always remember my our mother always, um, you know, like asking questions before making a judgment or a decision about something. So mm. she would always, you know, sit down quite, you know, um, in a in a really considered way. It was like she was a bit of an investigator, you know. Yeah, but she said this and she did that and blah blah blah. And so, okay, so let's start from the beginning. And so she would then get us to actually talk through what the story was and what the situation and she'd um, get us to really think about um, what what we were complaining about. So I think that was a really important lesson. And it's interesting you asked me that too because my mum even today, you know, she's a really great storyteller and she likes to ask questions you know, so I'll have to remind her about that. Thanks, Jono. That's good. You know how sometimes you, you know, you appreciate people, but sometimes being really specific about what you appreciate about them is so powerful. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I know that about my mum. And then my father, who's passed away, he was a real mm. action-oriented person. Mm -hmm. He was a real simple um, nothing really complex about him. He was a, like a meat and three veg and that's all, you know, we would <laughs> have most of the time when he would cook and things like that. But he was very action oriented. You know, if he said he was going to do something, he would do it, you know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's what I loved about my father. You know, like I, I never heard him say a bad word about anybody. Um, wow. He kind of like looked at the best of people. Um, mm. But his action oriented approach. And, you know, I was listening to something even this morning about, um, you know, the things about knowing thyself and the things that you can control. And mm. the three things really that we can control is our perceptions, you know, like how we interpret the world, the mm -hmm. decisions that we make and the actions that we then take mm. based on that. And that was the big thing for my father. He, he mm. was very action oriented. Sometimes a little bit too much, you know what I mean? Like you jump into action before the consideration. So that's the thing that I have to really be, um, I have to work on as well because I'm a very action-oriented um, person. And so yeah. over the years, knowing thyself has been really important <laughs> because sometimes it is good to just let that email hang a bit, you know, in your draft box before you send it. And that's true. You know, maybe not make that phone call or make that purchase or, you know, things like that. And more and more it's I, I see the value of it and so more and more I'm getting so good at it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so good. Thank you so much for sharing those wonderful stories um, about your parents. Uh, what about growing up, do you remember the first chance or opportunity you had in, you know, open quotation marks leadership where you were, you had a group of people that you were leading or you were leading a project. Do you, what comes to mind as the first sort of leadership opportunity in your young life? Um, so I think it would have been 
um, in the playground when we wanted to, I think there was something that happened in the community and we had to, we wanted to do a fundraiser. And I remember collecting, I don't know, cans of food and things like that. And that was a project that I took on. And what I learned from that is that sometimes leadership isn't that easy you're gonna get fingers <laughs> pointed saying hey i could have done that better and why didn't you do it this way and i just remember thinking oh, i'm just trying to do my best and <laughs> you still get judged by so that was I, you know for me that was a real i don't know it was um a, a very interesting insight because i think up to that point, I assumed that if your intentions were good, everything was going to roll out good, but it's not always the way. You might have a good intention, but then it may not end up that way either. Yes. People may not agree with everything that you do. So that was a, a, an insight for me. It's like just because it's my perception and mm. my intention, that definitely doesn't mean that everyone else is going to get on board with that. And so I really started to understand that diversity of thinking and go, holy, okay, right, I've got a, a bit to learn here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. I, I always enjoy hearing parallels, like the parallel there between the playground and the corporate boardroom <laughs> is, uh, <Yeah. laughs> is is a good one uh, because there are some things that are the that uh, there are some principles that remain the same. That's that's wonderful. Um, as you grew a bit oh, older, totally. finished as you sort of finished school and and um, after that, sort of in that next season of life, when was mm -hmm. the next sort of significant leadership jump for you, where you felt like, oh, okay, I'm in the deep end uh, now. I've now I've got a bit on my plate when it comes to managing people, leading a project, whatever it was. Right. So after um, school, I actually went into the New South Wales Police Service and I was in general duties for a couple of years. And then I went into physical evidence. I was in organisation analysis. Um, I also created or helped create a program called the Police Women's Network, where we would invite, you know, speakers from um, you know, all around Australia to come and address women in the police service and looking at different, you know, HR policies and things like that. So there were kind of, it was like informal leadership for me, really, um, when I look at it. You know, I was always um, involved in that extracurricular um, programs where there wasn't anything formalised, but I could see a gap and then wanted to create something around that. Um, so I was in the police service for about 10 years and then after that I um, left the police service and then had a, a business in um, import and expert, import export. Like I've done, you know, like when you reach my age, which is, you know, 58 now, it's like you've had three lifetimes in one. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, like when you're asking these questions, Jono, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, like I have to go back <laughs> decade and decade and decade. Yeah. Um, and so and then, you know, having your own business, you know, that's a whole nother level of leadership because, you know, it's not just leading yourself, it's leading, you know, the team, the business, mm. understanding finance, your stakeholders. Um, so that was another step up and, and also having different projects around the place. And then after that, 
I became um, a personal trainer and I was um, asked to coordinate a, um, a, some programs with a, um, a health studio, and which was wonderful. You know, like I really enjoyed that. So over the years, I've, I've always stepped into some type of role that mm. involved creating teams or leading people in all different uh, avenues and, and areas. And then, you know, completed my MBA and then um, decided to, um, yeah, go into business with my sister. <laughs> wow, what a fantastic story. I want to ask you about your time in the police. What did you learn mm. about leadership from that season? And are there any are there any stories that come to mind that were really aha moments for you in your life from those years uh, in the police service? Yes. Okay. So I remember um, I was a, a constable and I was one of the youngest constables. So I was actually 18 when I passed out meaning when you get your appointments and that, and you were supposed to be 19, but they allowed me um, through, you know, only because it was, I don't know, a few months past or whatever. So um, I remember going out and at that time we were, I think, collecting warrants. And so um, you knock on people's doors and say, look, you know, you've got outstanding warrants, you know, when do you think you'd be able to pay them? If you don't, you need to come into the station, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember my, my sergeant, um, said to me, Jan, I just want to let you know you're going to catch more bees with honey. And I thought, right, okay. And so the message was is the the kinder and more open and friendly you can be in your interactions with people, it's it creates, um, I don't know, a better uh, way of operating or communication as opposed to knocking on the door and going this is a police this is an official warning etc etc and for me that was a really lovely insight because being young and having a uniform I thought oh okay I've got to be a certain way and he just reminded me yeah just be yourself it's okay you know what I mean you don't have to you know push too hard you know you you can be kind and you can be um official you know or efficient yes. or competent and it was just a nice reminder that they're not mutually exclusive you can be competent and you can be kind you know you can be yes. thoughtful and you can be a really critical thinker they're, mm. they're not exclusive so for me that was a really good insight at the very beginning and then i remember when i was stationed at ramwick police station one of the first stations that i was at and we had a um we called our you know first class sergeant boss brogan and he was just a really cool sergeant you know like you know he'd bring you into the office if you know your paperwork wasn't up to date and you go turco you know you're a great police officer but you really need to be on top of your paperwork so you know um let's make sure that blah 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 and I don't know, and he was just matter of fact about it. He didn't make, he didn't shame you for do, for not doing something, but he was really clear about what he expected. So mm. for me, a really important um, lesson was clear expectations. Like I knew now that if yeah. I got um, some paperwork in my tray within a week, it needed to be cleared. That was it. So, so I good. knew, I knew that expectation, and it just made life so much easier. <laughs> That is so good. Clear expectations are, uh, they're such a, 
you know, they're not a, they're not quite a silver bullet, but I feel like they're that going back to that idea of knowing yourself. If you can lead with clear expectations, it's like there's ten different mm. symptoms that go away because um, you you're going to be able to catch things earlier. I'm interested to know how did your how did your boss how did that um, sergeant manage like what did you observe about how to do clear expectations without the shame and guilt trip how did he do that he was just up front and he was a nice guy you know like he um just he didn't make it public he brought you in he said turco um just want to let you know that um you know this is a way in which we do things around here um so he was clear he um was he wasn't formal about it, but I I knew at the end of the conversation what was expected of me. And and next time I saw him, it wasn't as if something had gone, you know, pear-shaped or whatever. It would just be um, as usual, you know, communication as usual. Yeah. And he was just really well-loved, you know. He, he was just really, I don't know, upfront, clear, um, talk straight and he'd come and have a drink with you every now and then, not all the time, <laughs> you know, yeah. cause he was, you know, the first class sergeant, but every now and then he'd come for a drink on a Friday night or, you know, after the shift or whatever. Yeah. 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 And, well, and he so was good. honest, you know, he was, yes. he was honest. Uh, and, and so I just had this thought pop in my head and I'm always aware that listeners might have the same thing. So I'll, I'll ask it. When um when they come when it comes to expectations and accountability, so he'd he'd bring you and tell you what was his sort of approach if someone was a repeat offender? How did he manage any sort of escalation or did did you observe that? Well, it actually because he was on top of it, it actually never got to a stage because it was a cultural thing. And it was really interesting. I didn't realise this when I first went to the station, but it was um, everyone in, at that station knew that was the expectation. So it was kind of like, you don't, we don't have slackers around here. You know, that it, it yes. wasn't something that we put up with. And I didn't actually see him um, transfer anyone out I just observed that everyone kind of got on board and if they didn't get on board they wouldn't hang around as long you know oh I love it you know because I think he had a bit of a reputation that th this is the way in which this station is run yeah what I love about that um Patrick Lencioni who, who I think I've already mentioned he talks about this idea of peer-to-peer -peer accountability and I love that oh, yeah, culture. Yeah. yeah. And that's what you just described, right? That culture where people hold each other accountable because you, because you've been clear about it, because he's willing to call people in and have the difficult conversations, but he does it in an informal, gentle, uh, you know, kind sort of way, um, or matter mm. of fact, without getting emotional about it. Uh, and what you end up with over time is a culture where the people in your team and the culture itself holds people to account. That's just, uh, that's just awesome. That's so great that it comes through in that story, Jen. Oh, and that, that's a high performing team, isn't it? You know what I mean? When people, um, can hold 
each other to account and just check in, you know, like the way in which we check in as far as accountability, you know, like, hey, John, I noticed that, you know, you, you weren't able to put that report in on time. What's going on, mate? You know, do you need a hand or, you know, do you need to talk about something? It, it's not straight into judgment. It's about just checking in. And that's when I think, you know, when you've got that care factor mm. happening, that's yeah. when, you know, I think that's the the foundation piece. Yes. And, and yeah, when you can hold each other to account, yeah, brilliant. That's when you've got that high performing team. So moving forward, what about um, your time in the import export business? What was your biggest lesson about leadership from that season? And any stories that really pop out into your mind that have uh, that have stuck with you about leadership? So in, I know it sounds really, uh, I don't know, it might sound bigger than what it was, the import-export. So at that time we moved to New Zealand and um, we would travel around New Zealand with our wares and I would be the upfront man. And so we would have um, some local sales, but we'd also get sales from overseas. And I suppose for that, it was really about self-leadership. You know, when you're knocking on doors, you know, creating sales and sometimes you'd get a rejection and sometimes you'd get a sale you know you could go from you know um you know um the top of the mountain to the bottom of the pit and so for me i learned about self-regulation like circumstances aren't the dictator of how i feel it's I decide how I want to feel independent of circumstances and that's self-mastery. And when that happens over and over and over again, you practice it. So whether or not I get, get a sale, that's great, but it's not going to determine how I feel. It's not going to determine, you know, how mm. I view myself. It's yes. like I decide how I view myself and the meaning I make from it. And for me, that was, it was really about self-mastery and self-leadership. That's what I, I learned during the import-export, you know, because when you get a big sale, it's like, yeah, you know, like we're happy now. And when we didn't get it, we'd go down and thought, no, nah, I don't want to live like this. That's like a puppet on a string because you really can't control that. You know, the only thing you can control really is your perception about it. So it was like, okay, well, that person, that you know, organisation wasn't our fit. Let's go on to the next one, you know. So it's actually how to um, soothe yourself and to tell a different story in order to, you know, um, move forward because otherwise, yes. yeah, it, it's just too hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I Do you have any advice on... Uh, for those listening going, oh, wow, I am such a yo-yo. I am such a puppet on a string. I'm so excited one week when things are going well, but when the numbers are a bit down, it really it really uh, moves me all the way down. Any advice? What have you learned? Any habits that you've implemented or any tips you'd give to people who want to be more like that? Yeah. So first of all, it's like we're human, right? So, yeah, that's going to happen. You know, like, because sometimes I'll say to my husband, oh, I'm, you know, 
I just can't believe I'm, you know, I, um, I'm frustrated by this. And he said, Jan, you're not enlightened yet. You know, you're still a physical person in a physical environment, you know, be easy on yourself. And so, oh yeah, okay. You know, like, you know, when we were talking about having high expectations, you know, how we hold ourselves to really high expectations sometimes. So first of all, be Mm. easy on yourself. And second of all, I think if you have your own internal practice, you know, something that you do every day that actually supports your well-being, you know, so whether it's meditation or physical, um, you know, activity or greeting the sun of a morning or swimming in the ocean, something that fills you up. And that's one of the things that we talk about with any of our clients, you know, in any 24-hour period, what is the one thing that you look forward to that you have something to look forward to that nourishes you know your your soul Mm. and when you have a practice of that of you know filling yourself up that's when you know you've got the capacity to to regulate and to understand you know where you can i don't know move as Mm -hmm. opposed to push through something it's like Mm -hmm. you can settle your nervous system to such an extent that you can actually hear what needs to be heard. You'll pick up those signals about what you need to do. You'll actually get that, I don't know, that intuitive prompt to make the phone call, send the email or pick up the phone. And when you have a practice like that, I think that's one thing that I think um, really supports people when um, yes. you know you don't want to be that puppet on a string And then it's practice. It's like, what meaning can I make out of this situation that is going to support me? You know, because, (laughs) you know, life, life really is meaningless. You know, like we make the meaning from it. You know, I often, you know, um, use the story about, you know, when a bird eats a worm, it doesn't then feel guilty about eating a worm. It just does that because that's its nature to do it. So life, I don't think, has a judgment. We're the one who has the judgment of it. So let's just make a good judgment. Let's just say, okay, so what could possibly Mm. be um, supportive or good about this situation that I'm not even seeing yet? Yeah. Now, if someone is in crisis, I would never ask that question at the beginning. Like we've just had floods in the northern rivers and yes. people have you know lost their homes and livelihoods and it's been, you know, very traumatic. And you know, you wouldn't ask that question at all now, but in a couple of years time, I know that there will be there will be um I don't know, something that has come from this. It's just not now. Yes, is yeah. the time to ask it. But mm-hmm. from a personal point of view, on a day-to-day basis, you know, what was good about this situation? So if mm. I had an argument, you know, with my son or whatever, it's like, okay, so what could be good about this? Okay, we're getting clearer about what's working and what's not working. You know, what did I learn about myself that I was still triggered about that? Am I really judging? You know, when I don't really want to judge. So it's it's that uh, reflective question, mm. I think, yeah. you know, is really important. One thing I want to ask you about, you mentioned having something to look forward to every day. Um, any examples like that you've seen people implement or that you've implemented? Uh, because I love that idea. And, and uh, I, as soon as you mentioned it, I was trying to think of, oh, well, what, what might be an example? So I thought I'd ask. 
Oh, okay. So it, it can be as simple as your morning coffee. Like when I have a coffee of a morning, it's not the first thing I have. I always have my hot water and lemon and all that kind of stuff. But then I have my coffee. And I love my coffee. Like I tell, like when I'm drinking my coffee, I go, oh, I love you. You know what I mean? Like I can feel it in my body going, yay. Yeah. And, and another, you know, and another thing that I love doing is um, swimming the ocean because I live in Byron Bay, which is the most easterly point of Australia. So we've got a beautiful ocean. So that's oh, one pretty thing amazing, pretty amazing place to live. It, it is, yeah, you know, and the sea life and seeing, you know, turtles and dolphins and things like that. So whenever I'm in the ocean, I'm kind of like in my in my happy place. But for others, I have a, a girlfriend whose job it is, is to greet the sun of the morning. That's her job. <laughs> and so that's what she does. You know, every morning she is out on the beach greeting the sun. And for mm. other people, it's, um, you know, meditating in the morning or reading um, something or listening to something that's inspiring or going for a walk with their dog, you know. So it's just something yeah. that, I don't know, opens you up and nourishes you. Yeah, you know, no, like I it's love that. Nourishing. I think um, something that surprised me in the past couple of years, I love uh, I love all things leadership. I love um, I really love productivity. I, I I love I love any any kind of improvement. Probably to be to be honest about um, anything in life. And so uh, I've found this uh, YouTube channel. It's called Productivity Game, and I've mentioned it a few times on the podcast. But uh, Nathan from Productivity Game does the best book summaries that are usually around eight or nine minutes, but he actually authentically reads the whole book, applies it, and and brings his key ideas, but in a very thorough, refreshing way. Like he's a great communicator, and I love his videos. And so for me, one of my favorite things to do is to just switch on like that's only eight or nine minutes but i find that when there's a new a new book um that comes out and he does a review of it i jump on and watch that sometimes i'll just watch a couple of uh of summaries of of other books you know because he's now done over 200 and for me there's something about that that i just the it's the ideas it's the it's these like yeah. he reviews great <laughs> books so it's always brilliant ideas and that to me just like fuels me and I can watch a couple of those and it just completely <laughs> changes my perspective. I, I wrote that down. I'm totally into that. I'm definitely oh, going to do that. You're going to yeah. love it. He um, just did um, yeah. He just did a great one on the Dopamine Nation. He did a review of that book. I don't know if you've seen that, um, which is all about the science of dopamine. And um, it's fascinating. It's a book that I've heard a lot about, but his summary of it is just fantastic. Uh, you know, he just sums up the big ideas and it's animated and then he he introduces them at the start, unpacks them and then summarizes them. It's so simple. Um, but Anna Lemke, I, I've spoken about her in previous podcasts, but yeah, books like that, mm. that if I read it, like it's a, and, and so what I do is I tend to watch the, and I pick my favorite ones and then I go and read that book so that when I'm reading a book, I know it's oh, something nice. that's, yeah, that, yes. that is really going to be. So I have a couple of books right now. A, a book that I love recommending that I'm going to go and really dig into is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. That's one that's on my list mm-hmm. um, to really get into. The Dopamine Nation um, is another one that I just mentioned that I really want to uh, want to read. And then I think there's another one from... 
him, which I'll look up. But that YouTube channel is one of my favorites. I love, I just find myself recommending it everywhere because it's so, oh, that's right. So he's just done, um, uh, he's just done a couple of other ones. The Power of Regret by Daniel Pink, uh, which is an interesting one. And oh, then yeah. da- David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. I don't know if that's a new book. It might be Malcolm's latest book or if he's just gotten around to it. But um, that's another fascinating one that talks about why underdogs um, are, you know, can win and um, why the David and Goliath story isn't that surprising. It's this really interesting take on it saying, here, here are some principles if you're in an under, underdog situation. So, yes, you can probably hear that I'm a big fan of uh, Productivity Game. Love that. Love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm on top of that. I'm going to do that. So it's really interesting because over the years, <clears throat> that was all the books that I would read. It would always be around leadership, productivity, culture and it's only in the last couple of months that I've decided to just pull back and go in a different direction just to I don't know just to change things up a little bit and so you know reading books like the dictionary of lost words um Mm. midnight library I don't know there are just a, a couple of things that just fueling the imagination a little bit on it on a different side um, just to kind of balance things up. And so I also listen to a lot of Vedic information and Vedic texts because I've been meditating for 30 years, so I'm really interested in you know, mm. Ayurveda and all things, um, you know, Indian and Sanskrit and things like that. So yeah. um, I do like the idea, though, of the synopsis of the books. Yeah, yeah it, it makes Thank it really you. accessible. <laughs> no, I, I love this idea yeah, of finding yeah. something to look forward to because I've just thought of another thing that that I do and I've only done it for the past, well, it's actually it's probably been four or five years now. I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I uh, I decided I really, I, I love reading great stories, but I always get very, like it, it's quite really sad and disappointing when you finish a book because especially if you read it fast it's so good right yes so i said i said that's it i'm gonna look for like the longest series of books (laughs) where it's where it's brilliantly written and i know this is so funny this is how my brain works jan so i found this series by initially by an author called raymond feist and it's it's about 24 25 books and uh and over about two years i just read one a month and uh it's sci-fi fantasy so we've got like different worlds and dwarves and elves and it's um so i have just loved it and for me i will often read well, when i say read <laughs> my wife liz always says are you reading you're listening um so i will listen to the audiobooks when i'm going to bed because once again it's just that really nice like otherwise my brain is always ticking with 50 things to do with clarity. Yeah. That's just I, the ideas. Like I said, even with the book productivity game, I love ideas. So there's something about just entering into another world and hearing a great writer who just unpacks these wonderful, rich stories um, that mm. I've found just suddenly it makes that sort of going to bed time. It gives me something to really look forward to, to listen to this great fiction um, so that's a bit similar to you. Like it's a different type of reading, but I've found that wonderfully relaxing, enjoyable. 
really great for sort of switching off from work. And um, so that's that's another thing I've implemented now that I think about it. So, so what's the series called? That, uh, and it's an audio. Did you get it on audio? Yes, yes. So it's it's very popular. So it should be. I think all of his books are on Audible or wherever you get audio books. They should be there. Um, it's called. So the author is Raymond Raymond E. Feist, F E I S T. Okay. And the first book is called The Magician. Uh, the only problem with the first book is it's mm. so good. It is so <laughs> so good that the rest of the series oh. doesn't quite like. It's it's just brilliant because it's introducing all of these things so it's the first time it's all being introduced so that it's it's just fan like the character development it's oh it's brilliant so the rest of the series is is good but that first book is great um so yeah the magician is what the first book's called i think the whole series is called the rift war saga um and uh yeah i'm definitely gonna i'm definitely gonna download that because i've just finished an audio book called where the crawdads sing and it was one of those books that i didn't want it to finish so i absolutely understand what you um (laughs) what you're going through so yeah i'm totally up for that (laughs) well the cool thing is like magician so it's actually called the first book's called magician raymond feist wrote that Mm -hmm. in 1982 so (laughs) You're literally, you know, it's it's also like someone's life's work, like is just um, so I, I've it was I finished those, and rather than being disappointed, you've read so many that you're kind of like, okay, fair well, enough. Oh, you're satiated. <laughs> I read, yeah, I read two years worth. I'm ready for this to be finished now. It's still a bit sad. Yeah. But, <laughs> and then another one is Brandon. Oh, I love um, the way you think. Yeah. yeah. Brandon Sanderson is another really good one. He has written, um, I'm in the middle of one of his series called the Mistborn uh, series. But uh, yeah, I love fantasy sort of um, uh, sci-fi-ish sort of, you know, just I just find it really enjoyable. I think it's just the character development. Um, I, I would probably enjoy other authors too. So if people are listening and have a favorite long series by in a completely different genre, then let me know because it's so much fun. It's just wonderful to finish a book and then pick up the next one. Oh, go like in Audible. I just literally go download the next one, pr- press play, um, yes, and yes. then away you go. Yeah. So there, there are a couple of my favorite authors: Raymond Feist and Brandon Sanderson. Um, another one is Robert Jordan, who they've just released a show called the wheel of time on, on Amazon, um, which is his book series is called the wheel of time. That's a, there's probably 16 books or 20 books in that one. So that's, and that's uh, you know, very, very well known and highly reviewed everywhere. So that's another series I'd recommend Robert Jordan. Um, so <laughs> there you go, Jan, got a few years of reading for you. Excellent. Thank you. Yes. Done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, what I would love to do, Jen, we've just had so much fun chatting. I'm looking at the time and I've I've, uh, I've gone over. And so what I would love to do is invite you back for another episode. And what we can do is maybe chat a bit more about your journey, but also maybe even hear a bit, some of the biggest aha moments you've had from working with clients and what you're seeing out there. Because I know we did talk mm, about that mm. before we pressed record. And in the end, I couldn't help. We've ended up chatting more about you, which has been wonderful. But uh, yeah, and, and then I can also do Leadership Express with you another time just because we're out of time now. Uh, so yeah, the invitation is there. We'd love to have you back. And um, uh, But it's just been so much fun to have you on today. 
Oh, same here, Jono. I've um, really enjoyed it. Thank you. And I've learned so many. Like I've got um, things to do now and um, books to download. So thank you. That's right. <laughs> let me know how you go with those. Well, let me say thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Um, I hope you've enjoyed. I know some of those recommendations will be helpful to listeners, but I know the stories from uh, from Jan, from the police force about Jan's uh, parents. They've just been wonderful stories, full of leadership principles to go and apply. Um, so thank you to our listeners. Don't forget, I also have the John O'White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast. And and Jan, where can people find you who have just loved hearing from you today? Where can they find out more about your podcast and about your work? Yeah, they can just go to our website, uh, peopleleaders.com.au. Beautiful. So make and, sure you and go And just in. remember, it's not... Pe- yeah, people yeah. often say people eaters. It's like, no, people leaders. <laughs> <laughs> very different. Yeah, there you very, go. very different oh, no. types of consulting. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Wonderful. Well, that just sums up the uh, the time we've had wonderfully. That's, uh, it's been very fun chatting with you, Jan. Uh, thank you so much for being so generous and sharing your wisdom and, and being so vulnerable to share some amazing stories. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a joy. My pleasure. Thanks, Jono. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And, you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning 
as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I, I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and, and please do that. And look for me, John O. White, or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. 95% uh, of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.